Being too goal or outcome orientated can destroy your mental health and put way, way, way too much pressure and stress in your life. Welcome to The Underestimated Entrepreneur, where I share mindset, lifestyle, and business hacking tips, tools, and some painful lessons along my journey from growing my businesses and also working with some of the top entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professional athletes. Hey Driven Mofos, welcome back to another episode. In this episode, I'm going to talk about why focusing on goals or an outcome consistently can destroy your mental health, can also put way too much pressure on you and cause meltdown, stress, frustration, disconnection in intimate relationships. And this is something that the majority of Driven Mofos that I meet go through or experience. So strap yourselves in and let's rock and roll. If you don't know who I am, I'm Michael Mojo. I'm the owner of Mojo Human Performance Institute. We focus on mindset, business, and lifestyle hacking for Driven Mofos. You know, most people waste their life and I just don't want you to be one of them, hence why I do these episodes. Anyway, so something that most people go through that I find when they're a super driven person or what I call a driven mofo where they want to achieve more in life is that they'll put all this pressure on them to achieve these certain outcomes or these certain goals. So they become very goal orientated or outcome orientated. They might focus on, let's say, having a six pack or they might they might focus on having a financial goal or having their business grow to X amount of staff or a holiday that's going to happen next year. And so they work flat out and they put all this pressure on themselves in order to achieve. Now, a few things can happen. There is a byproduct of having too great a time pressure and a byproduct of having not enough time pressure. Some people, when they don't have enough time pressure, become complacent, they become lazy, they can become mentally lethargic, and it can lead to things like people becoming depressed or feeling flat and just lethargic and down all the time because they don't really have anything to focus on. They don't really have any time pressure to push them to go and achieve things. So they become lazy and lethargic. And we see this in nature. If let's say a lion eats way too much food, it goes from being the predator to becoming the prey. And a predator is something that is agile, is able to adapt really, really well, can be, you know, focus on a target and go after it. Now, I use that terminology because it's a nature terminology. I don't want you to think that I'm you know, talking about being a sexual predator or anything crazy, because that term gets used in our society. And I know some people get uncomfortable when I use that term. But in nature, you're either a predator or you're prey. And at different points, you can be both a predator and prey, depending on how you operate. Now, in life, if you, you know, if you want to achieve a lot, there are patterns of behavior that you can use in order to help you to excel. So when we look at the lion or the cheetah, they want to be agile, they want to be focused, they want to be able to move. Now they can't do that on a very full belly. When they eat too much and they overconsume, they can become tired, they can become lethargic, they don't really move that well. Now that can happen in our own lives. So when you see people who are tired and lethargic all the time, normally they don't really have high level goals in most cases. Now there could be other problems going on as well, but they normally don't have good effective goals. They can be living by other people's implanted values, which means they feel like they can never live up to other people's expectations. They put a lot of pressure on themselves. It creates a lot of self-doubt. And then after a while, they just give up and go, well, what the fuck is the point? Because I feel like I can never achieve anything. That's how some people get really depressed. Now that can come because they don't have the right goals. They might have too big a goals and don't know how to set like work backwards and set things that make them feel like they're being productive and achieving. So that can be that can be something. Then the other thing can happen, which is the counter opposing to that. And that is where they become super driven. And this is like an over excess of adrenaline. Now, if you're setting goals that have too short of timeframes, it can put way too much pressure on you and create something called an, ad an adrenaline pump. And that adrenaline pump puts you into a flight or fight situation, amps up the sympathetic nervous system. So you're in the flight, fight or freeze response, but now you're in the, the fight response. And so you you're going flat stick and you're working really, really hard. You're putting a lot of pressure on yourself, but this is too much. And so you'll have this adrenaline pump where you're going flat out. You're not thinking clearly. 
you're pushing hard, you start pushing people around you as well. And I've done this shitloads of times in business, but you can start to have symptoms like anxiety. If you think about anxiety, when you're sitting in a car and let's say you're going somewhere and you've got one hour to get there, you've got an hour to get there and you know that it's gonna take 45 minutes to get there. So naturally when we're going somewhere, we normally calculate how long things are gonna take. Like I've got a meeting this morning. I know if I leave home at you know nine o'clock in order to get there by 10, I know it's about a 30 minute drive, but based on traffic some mornings, it's about 40 minutes. So I should get there 20 minutes early. So we calculate that number in our brain to sort of figure out how long things are going to take. Now, if you're driving and let's say I'm going to this meeting this morning and all of a sudden I get caught in traffic and I'm sitting there, it's cool, I've got 20 minutes, I know I've got plenty of time. So everything's cool. But all of a sudden, the cars move and they move one car length and I look at the clock and it's been five minutes. Now I look down the road and I can see that there are cars as far as the eye can see, thousands of cars and I'm in bumper to bumper traffic and I've moved one car length in five minutes. So now my brain starts calculating and goes, shit, in order to get to the end of that line, I'm gonna be here for like an hour. Now that can cause an adrenaline pump or adrenaline to kick in. You go into a flight, fight or freeze response because you know that you're gonna be late for the meeting. That time pressure creates massive adrenaline or an adrenaline rush and that can cause symptoms like anxiety. So the majority of the times when I've worked with people who are consistently anxious, they normally are in a rush to do something, get somewhere or get away from something. I worked with someone a little while ago who came to me for a one-on-one coaching session and they said, Michael, I I've, I've worked with lots of different people, but um, you know I've been diagnosed with social anxiety. I said, okay, well let's let's look into it because I think a lot of times labels are there normally to only understand a situation or understand a person. They're never there to define a person. Now this person had defined themselves with social anxiety and some person who worked in you know the field of psychology or mental health or whatever labeled them as such without really assessing the situation effectively. Oh, I don't think anyway, and maybe maybe I'm wrong, but. Yeah, that's what my assumption was. So anyway, they were telling me about these situations that they kept putting themselves in where they would be anxious. So I said, what were you in a rush to do or get, or, or what were you in a rush for? And they said, well, I wasn't. And I said, okay, go to a moment. Now, the problem with most people when they assess mindset patterns is that they assess generalizations. Now, generalizations are normally created from a story, a belief, or a meaning that someone has about a certain circumstance or a situation, and they try to piece it together with past experiences which then generalize something, in most cases. When we're looking at a generalization, like if someone says, I've had a shitty day, you're essentially taking every second of that day, compressing it into a label, and then labeling it as a shitty day. There's no such thing as a shitty day unless every second of that day you label as being shit. You'll have moments of things that are shit that then you think about a lot and think about how shit it was that then make you label the day as shit if, if I'm making sense to everybody here. So no one really has a good day or a bad day, you just have a day. But because we generalize things, you label things as a few things went well today, so therefore it was a good day. When things don't go well, you'll say, well, today wasn't a good day or today was a shitty day or today was a bad day because again, you've generalized everything and labeled it as such. But the truth is there are seconds that your brain is switching onto, it's mislabeling like, how can you have a shitty day when you got out of bed, right? How can you have a shitty day when you're alive? when you woke up and kissed your partner in the morning before you went to work. Like, how could that be a shitty day? You're relating it back to past experiences, you're generalizing a couple of moments in time, and then you're labeling it such. So anyway, because I, I know this and I've studied a lot about human behavior and psychology and neuroscience and a whole bunch of other fields, I asked her to go to a specific moment. And I said, go to the moment where you had this thing called social anxiety. So anyway, she goes to the moment and I said, what happened? And she said, well, I was in this environment where I was with my parents. They wanted me to go to this, this function. Now she was in her early 20s. I had to go to this function and I was there and the anxiety just kicked in. There were all these people around and this anxiety just swelled up inside of me. And I said, okay, in that moment, what did you, what were you in a rush for? And she said, I wasn't in a rush. And I said, well, that's bullshit. Go back to the moment and assess that moment. Anyway, she's sitting there thinking about it. 
Now, most people don't think, they think they think. So most people rush their thought processes instead of actually analyzing them really, really well. And most therapists or practitioners or whoever works with these types of people normally don't hold people accountable because they're afraid. They're afraid of criticism. They're afraid of judgment. The majority of them are afraid of people not liking them. They're afraid of upsetting their customers or clientele or whoever the fuck they're working with. And so because of that, their self-worth is based on how well the customer likes them. What I realized years ago as a coach is I don't really give a shit what my customers think about me. What I care about is getting them the outcome that they want because if if I get them a great outcome, they'll naturally like me anyway. But my self-worth isn't based on how other people think about me. My self-worth has to be based on what I think about me. And I've run events before where people have come up and said, this is amazing, you've done an awesome job. And I still feel like I haven't done my best. And so that's up to me to deal with. And I know that everyone who's listening to this probably goes through the same thing. People can tell you you've got a great life, but if you don't think so, then you know it is what it is. So your internal processes need to be your main driver in life, not listening to every other voice outside of you. So the point that I'm trying to make is that because the therapist or the people that she worked with before may have had this fear or this doubt. A lot of people work in industries because they're trying to figure out shit that they haven't been able to figure out in their own life. Like a lot of people in finance normally come from backgrounds where their parents didn't have a lot of money. And so money becomes important to them because they're trying to resolve a past wound or a past pain that they've had that they have never dealt with properly. And so that gives them the drive and the ambition to want to create wealth and to, to heal that part of themselves. Now, a lot of people in the area of health normally have a family member or themselves or, or someone close to them who was sick or not healthy when they were growing up, or maybe they felt like shit. Like I got into personal training because I hated the way that I looked and, and the gym was the only place that ever made me feel good about myself. You know, I started training when I was 14. That was because at school when I was younger, I used to get picked on for being having red hair and freckles and being chubby. So the gym made me feel good about myself. Now in the field of psychology and mental health, a lot of people get into those fields because either when they were younger, they had mental health issues or maybe even throughout their life, they've had mental health issues or they've had someone close to them with mental health issues. And so they're trying to heal a part of themselves. Now, if those therapists, practitioners or people haven't worked through those things effectively, those things create massive insecurities and insecurities that drive all of their behavior. Now, if you're working in the field of psychology or mental health and you've got these patterns of behavior where you're insecure and you know, you're trying to figure out your own shit and deal with your own wounds, uh, wounds and all that sort of shit that you haven't worked through or these old patterns, then what happens is you work with people or your clientele and your clientele become your case studies for you to figure out your own shit, which isn't a good way of working. You know, when I used to teach coaches how to operate effective coaching businesses and also teach them a lot of the techniques that I've used over the years, and by the way, we used to get, you know, medical doctors and people who worked in mental health and a whole bunch of different fields come to those events because they wanted to learn a lot of this stuff that I'd researched and, and put a lot of effort into. And one of my core things was you will only ever lead a client to where you're at. You won't go beyond that. So if you're using your client as a case study, you, you'll never get great results with your clientele. You know, the fact that I've worked through a lot of my mental health issues is the reason why I'm a good coach because I can see through the bullshit. The reason why I was a good personal trainer because I dealt with a lot of my body image issues and all that shit before I worked with clients. I didn't use my clients to work through my body image issues. I didn't use my clients to work through my mental health issues. You know, I didn't consider myself as having mental health problems problems when I started in the mindset space. That made a massive difference anyway. So coming back to it, I held this person accountable and I said, I need you to go to the moment and tell me what you were trying to get away from. And she said to me, shit, she like sat back and her eyes lit up, like her eyes went big and bold. And she sat there and she goes, I didn't want to be there. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, I wanted to get the fuck out of there, Michael. <laughs> so the thing was that she was still in a rush. Because she had this social anxiety, she was in a rush to get out of the situation that she was put into. She was trying to please her parents by being there, but she didn't really want to be there. Then we went to multiple other places where she was, where she didn't have this social anxiety. And she was hanging out with people that she liked to hang out with based on her value set. And this is why you can take people who are socially awkward, maybe, who sit behind a computer consistently, and then you put them in an environment like Comic-Con or something like that, and they're out there and they're, they're extroverted and they're, they're, they're feeling completely comfortable because they're with their own people. If you put people who are normally introverted, they love cars, 
cars and things like that and you put them in an environment of motor racing or or something like that you watch them come out of their shell people extrovert when they're around people who have similar values or feel like they're achieving people introvert when they're ashamed or they feel like people don't connect with them because of the value structure which is why values are so important and I teach them so much at our events because if you want to crush it in life you've got to get really really clear of what drives you so anyway coming back to why goals can destroy your mental health is because if you're consistently focused on the goal and putting a lot of pressure on yourself you can have things like a lot of anxiety a lot of stress it can fuck up your sleeping patterns especially if you're under the adrenaline pump all the time and that will happen until you burn out so something I consistently talk about at our business events like Odyssey is that most business owners go flat out until they burn out and that's a destructive pattern that's not a good thing for your mental health the other thing that can happen, which I don't really see a lot of in our community, but I do see a lot in society, is that if you don't have effective goals enough to push you in effective timeframes and they're not based on your values or your mission or your purpose, then you can just become lazy, lethargic, complacent, and you just cruise through life and you know you feel shit about yourself because you ne- you're not really performing or being productive in life. And I think that one of the greatest things that you can do if you want to build your self-worth, your self-love, your self-respect, and all of those self things is to be a productive member of society by doing something productive within your own life and living your values, serving a purpose, having a really clear mission, living a vision or, or working towards that vision, and then setting clear goals that you work towards. But here's where the problem can come in, is that the majority of driven mofos focus way too much on the goal, which then takes away from the process that they need to go through on a day-by-day basis. So most people will focus on the weight loss and they'll say, well, I want to lose 20, 20 kilograms. So they will focus on the 20 kilograms that they need to lose, but that puts a lot of pressure, a lot of stress, a lot of strain. They don't focus on the process and the process is the most important part. You've probably heard this shit before because people talk about it and they say, you know, it's not about the outcome, it's about the process and blah, blah, blah. Now, I know that people say that, but it is really, really, really important to focus on your day-to-day actions because they create the habits. They create the habits of thought. They create the habits of emotions. They create the habits of action. And they build your identity that is going to be the person that you need to become in order to achieve the goal itself. Like, it's great to say, I want to build a $10 million business, but you're only going to build a $10 million business if you're a $10 million business owner. And so you have to work towards creating the identity of a person who thinks like a $10 million business owner, who acts like a $10 million business owner, who understands things at a $10 million business owner level, and who consistently takes actions on a day-by-day basis to be productive, to be effective, and to be the person that you need to be in order to run a $10 million business. If you're a $1 million million thinking business owner and a $1 million acting business owner who takes over a $100 million business, you will crush that business into the ground back to a million bucks because that is the way that you think, you behave, and you feel about your life. So the goal is you work towards something, you progress towards becoming the person that you need to become. There's a great quote that I heard years and years ago, an old boss when I used to work in the personal training industry, he always used to say, you've got to be before you become. So if you want to be a $10 million business owner, then you need to become a $10 million business owner. And the becoming part is the most important part. I know that you know the quote is be before you become. You have to think like a $10 million business owner, but the process of becoming that person is the journey that creates the habits, that creates the habits of thought and so on. And that will help you live a great life. If you're an overweight person, let's just say you're fat. Um, I'm just going to say it bluntly. Let's just say you're fat and you want to lose weight. But you keep saying to yourself, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat. And then you keep thinking like a fat person. You keep feeling in a certain way where you feel shit about yourself. So you feel like a fat person. You think like a fat person. And therefore, you act like a fat person. Those three things, if I just took away, let's just say we cut off a heap of fat, you're still going to think like a fat person, 
feel like a fat person and act like a fat person. So the chances are that you're going to put back on that weight. That's not a great a great tool for success. And this is why the majority of fat loss challenges and the majority of diet pills and all that sort of shit don't work over the long period. The same thing that happens when people win cross lotto. Like I hear this a lot where people say, well, you know, if I just won lotto or if I just had, you know, family that gave me some money, then I would be successful, you know? And that's how most people think. I mean, it's a stupid way of thinking. I hear about it with my cars. You know, I bought my first supercar when I was in my early 30s and and I guess I look after myself reasonably well. So I don't, I didn't look like a, I, I don't know what a 30 year old looks like, but I didn't, I didn't look like that. So when I rock up to places sometimes, I would hear people talk shit and go, oh, it must be daddy's money. Or, you know, it must be, he must have inherited money. Or, you know, people make these stupid assumptions because it couldn't be the fact that I worked hard, that I had to push, give up my weekends, all of that stuff. They naturally assume that it's just because I had this natural given gift in life that allowed me to excel. But the truth is the majority of cross lotto winners lose all their money and worse, they go backwards. So let me just give you an example. Let's say you make $70,000 a year and you live in a $300,000 home and you own a $10,000 car and you've got a second car, which is a $5,000 car. So you can afford and you live and you max out those, you max out your credit and you max out your bank accounts every week. So you live week to week. Now, all of a sudden you win a million dollars. So your psychology and your mindset and your emotional state and your actions and behaviors are that of someone who lives at that level of life. Now you've just got a million bucks. So you're not thinking like a millionaire. You're thinking like someone who, you know, makes whatever I said it was like $60,000 a year and owns a $10,000 car and a $5,000 car and goes on a holiday once a year to a caravan park. And and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. I'm not judging or criticizing anyone. Like they might have an awesome life, but they go from now injecting a million dollars. And so all of a sudden they go, you know what? We can increase our lifestyle. So straight away they go out and they buy two new cars worth $50,000 each, or let's say they buy a $100,000 car and let's say they, you know, they go out and they buy another $50,000 car. So they've just spent $150,000. They go out and they buy a half a million dollar house and they they pay cash for it. Then they go on a holiday. Then they have some friends and families who want to start up a business. So they lend some money to them. And, and you know, normally the friends and family that want to start a business that you lend money to normally shouldn't be running a business in the first place because they don't have the right mindset. So they go out there and they they set it, they 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 give away all this money and blah blah blah. A charity comes along and they want some money, so they give it away because they're a nice person and, and so on. And so they've upped their lifestyle, but they still they're still thinking, acting, feeling, and behaving like a person that is making sixty or seventy thousand dollars a year. They, you know, maybe they quit their job, or I, I'm not sure. But let's just say that they still were working the same job. What ends up happening is over time, let's say over a two year period, now they've got to pay the insurances, uh, like council rates, all of those things, the upkeep and the maintenance on a five hundred thousand dollar house, not not a three hundred thousand dollar house. So they have all these incurred costs that they that they didn't put away for for a rainy day. Then now they also they they crash the car. They've got insurance for the car. So then now they've got to go and pay the insurance or whatever you call it when you have an accident or whatever for the insurance company to go out and fix it all up. They now want to get some money back off friends and family and their friends and family have lost the money. So they feel shit about that because they don't want to put pressure to ask for the money back. But at the same time, their friends and family who have asked for the money to start businesses, they've burnt through the cash and, and the business didn't work. And so slowly they go, oh shit, I can't afford this lifestyle. So the only thing that they can do is sell the house and downsize it. They can sell the cars and downsize back to the level that they were playing at. Or sometimes if the outgoing costs are too too much and they start taking on debt, all of a sudden they can bankrupt themselves. And this happens consistently with cross lotto winners because the majority of them don't think like people with the amount of money that they just got. And the same thing can happen with inheritance. If you inherit a large sum of money off of a family, if you up your lifestyle and don't start thinking like the person, the, the people that you inherited the money from, you can end up in deep shit really, really quickly, which is also the reason why I had someone who inherited $70 million come to me for private coaching for two years so that they could get their mindset right and start thinking like someone who had that amount of money and didn't feel guilt or shame or any of the other 
shit that can fuck up people's mindset that then causes them to lose money really, really rapidly. And guilt and shame are two of the things that cause people to, to hold back on earning potential. And I'll get into that in another podcast. Anyway, I hope that this massively helps, but remember the process is more important than the actual goal itself. You need to set goals because you need to know where you're heading, but the fun happens on the journey. If you're driving from Adelaide to Melbourne, which is an eight hour car trip, or maybe you speed and you get there a little bit quicker, or maybe you drive there a little bit slow, a little bit slower. The the goal is to get to Melbourne. Once you've set that goal, you didn't need to think about it. Like you don't need to think about getting to Melbourne every two seconds on the car trip because it'd ruin the experience. But that's how most people live life. You know that all the fun that you're going to have is on the journey of getting to Melbourne in the car. So if you're on a road trip with your mates, the most fun that's going to happen is probably in that car trip. Getting to Melbourne is just like, you go, yay, we're here. And then the rest of the fun happens because you're there again to have the experience. The experience of life itself, the fun part is in the process, not in the outcome itself. You need to set the outcome, know where you're going, be clear on it. And then you don't really need to think about it too much. As long as you know the direction, you stay on on track. That's all that matters. And then every day it's about becoming a better person and becoming the person that you need to become in order to achieve that outcome. And the more you focus on that, the more you enjoy life, which is why thinking one day can be one of the most destructive things in a person's psychology. Hear it all the time. You know, one day when I when I get this or one day when I have more money or one day when blah, blah, blah. That doesn't change anything because one day will very rarely come for most people. Just fucking do the shit that you need to do today in order to become the person you need to become to achieve the goals you need to achieve. It's really that simple. Anyway, I hope that helps. I hope uh, it helps with your thinking. Um, please remember, if you haven't already done so, to like, subscribe, and share because most people waste their life and I just don't want you to be one of them. And also, the more I can get this information out there, the more I can keep helping people step up and push harder and crush it in life. Now, if you're surrounded by friends and family who want to achieve more in life, the best thing that they can do is have a similar mindset to you as well, where they're learning, where they're growing, and they're becoming better every day. So the best thing that you can do is share this episode uh, or share this podcast if you love it. Anyway, remember, team, never underestimate the dream. Keep crushing it and stay driven, driven mofos. 